Blog Talk Radio. Shikiriya Rabaha, Yakaraba, 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 Shikiri
Well, good afternoon to you. I am your host, Michael Miano. Thank you for taking some time out of your day to tune in to these life podcasts. I do want to apologize that at the beginning of the podcast, it seemed that we had a um, little glitch and the songs were kind of uh, playing interchangeably. Uh, I do apologize about that, and I'm always working on better developing uh, the podcast that I offer up either here through Life Podcasts or through MGW Apologetics Online Radio. So again, I do thank you for taking some time out. If you're tuned in live and you'd like to call in at any point during this podcast, I want to offer up the phone number. The phone number is 516-387-1717. Again, 516-387-1717. So I'm Michael Miano. I'm your host. I'm the pastor at the Blue Point Bible Church. I am the director of the Power of Preterism Network, and I am the apologist through MGW, Miano Gone Wild Apologetics. And uh, I pray that my efforts, my resources have been a blessing to you. And I, again, thank you for taking some time out. So what we've begun to do here with the LIFE podcast, LIFE being an acronym, for living intent, living in the fulfilled eschaton, I was going to tell you another acronym. <laughs> um, living in the fulfilled eschaton um, ultimately highlights fulfilled Bible prophecy that we are now living past the last days, which is the word eschaton. Uh, eschatology being the study of the last things, the last days, um, as revealed through Bible prophecy, and. I have come to the understanding, and if you're tuned into this podcast, I imagine you already know much of this. Um, I've come to the understanding of full preterism, fulfilled Bible prophecy, fulfilled eschatology, whatever title you want to use. Um, and this title means that I believe and I understand that the prophecies put forth in the Bible, especially in the Old Testament, highlighted and emphasized in the New Testament regarding the ending of the age, um, has all been fulfilled, that all the details are found in our past. They were in the future of the writers of the New Testament, of course. However, they are in our past. And that has fulfilled a beautiful reality for the believers. The new heaven, new earth, the new Jerusalem, the new covenant, all synonymous phrases, the kingdom of God, um, highlighting beautiful attributes of what God has given. In Second Peter chapter 1, it tells us that God has provided everything to us pertaining to life and godliness, everything for us pertaining to life and godliness. And um, full preterism emphasizes that Bible prophecy being fulfilled has consummated, has given, has provided all of those things in their fullness. And uh, obviously this is misunderstood by much of the Christian church. However, we see great reforms happening. Not a day, not a week goes by that I uh, do not get a call, an email, um, something from somebody, even personal interaction um, with people that see the truth of fulfilled Bible prophecy. So glory to God. Uh, what I'd like to do is uh, just encourage you to go ahead and like the Facebook pages for MGW Apologetics, uh, the Power of Preterism Network, the Blue Point Bible Church while you're at it. And if you're listening to this and for some reason you're not a friend of mine on Facebook, go ahead and give me an ad and I'd love to correspond with you. You can also visit thepowerofpreterism.com and you can go, to, go and contact us and uh, ask to be put on the email list. That way, whenever updates are happening, um, I try to stay abreast of different information happening within the preterist movement, and I'd love to make that available to you because I believe that that's a part of living in the fulfilled eschaton is continuing the fellowship and the glory of God um, within our, um, our midst by gathering together and seeing more and more of what God is doing in and through all of us. Amen? So what I've begun to do here with Life Podcast is really place emphasis on the implications and the application of fulfilled Bible prophecy. There's so many discussions going on within different communities, some communities that believe in fulfilled Bible prophecy, and then communities that, dis, you know, that do not believe in fulfilled Bible prophecy but want to force their assumptions on the implications and proper application of fulfilled Bible prophecy. So uh, what usually this is, is for those that have gone into erroneous interpretations or applications or implications of what fulfilled Bible prophecy means, other than what I'm going to be revealing to you here in a moment, um, it seems that 
they only see the small picture. They don't see the big picture, right? A common phrase that we use in our culture today. Or what I've also begun to do is show that there's a narrative of scripture. There's a story being told, but then there's a meta narrative. There's a bigger picture of what those details, what that story is seeking to highlight or imply. And uh, it seems that many have gone off the charts, if you will, um, in their failure to understand the proper way that these things should be understood, the meta narrative of scripture. You see, what we should come to is an understanding that the church has been given as the deposit of truth. For example, we see in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 6 through 7, I'm going to read. He has raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. You see, we live in a very individualist, me focused, selfish culture where everything is about us. So many within the fulfilled Bible prophecy camp, full preterism, have gone about showing that when you properly understand the Bible, it's not about you. It was given to them for us. For example, here in this text that I just read to you, we are not those that are being raised up. This is the church at Ephesus in the first century. We are not those that he is going to show his exceeding riches of his kindness toward us that in coming ages, People may see this truth. This is speaking about these right here in Ephesus in the first century that God was bringing through the fulfillment of Bible prophecy in what we might know as the already but not yet. They were being raised up, but they were waiting for something else. They were waiting to be the fully consummated body of Christ, the glorified body of Christ that would bring forth the truth. You see, as you move further in that letter, Ephesians chapter 3, verse 10, we read this, to the intent that now unto the principalities and powers in heavenly places might be known by the church the manifold wisdom of God according to the eternal purpose which he proposed in Christ Jesus our Lord in whom we have boldness and access with confidence by faith of him. You see, what the Apostle Paul is pointing out here is that the goal of the ages, which he also makes known in Ephesians chapter 1, all throughout the letter, he's clarifying that the goal of what God was doing in that time was to show forth his kindness and grace to a certain group of people, those that were in Christ Jesus, the elect, those that God had given to him, as he expresses in John chapter 17, Jesus in his prayer. He would save them, and then through them, the manifold wisdom of God would be made known. We also should connect this text to Romans chapter 15, verses 8 through 9, wherein we read that Christ was revealed as a servant to the circumcision, to confirm the promises that were given to the fathers. That's going to be very important as we move into what I've marked out as our discussion for today, um, that he would confirm the promises that were given to the fathers and that he would reveal mercy to the Gentiles. You see, that's the goal. The goal is that God would be made known for his faithfulness and his mercy. Faithfulness to those that he had made many, many promises and his mercy to those that would be blessed by the fulfillment of those promises. You see, God does something to do something. Every time God does something, it's to highlight something else. It's for the betterment of something else. You might say, God had chosen Israel to be a light to the nations. God sent forth Jesus to redeem Israel, which he makes known in Matthew chapter 15 specifically, the lost houses of the people of Israel, right? The, I'm sorry, the to save the lost house of Israel, to call those from the lost house of Israel. It would be revealed that not all Israel was of Israel, right? We see this in Romans chapters 9 through 11. And uh, all of this was being done to save the Gentiles. So then when the Jews and the Gentiles of the first century are saved, as the church there we see at Ephesus and many other places within the New Testament, the goal was to bring forth light, to the coming ages, to make known God's exceeding riches that he has given, his provisions that he has provided. And that's what the church will continue to do for all eternity in world without end, which actually is the ending of the letter to the church at Ephesus. So all of that is very important to know as we move into what we're talking about today, because the goal of living in the Fulfilled Eschaton podcasts is to highlight proper implications and application. 
So again, I thank you for taking some time out of time out of your day because I believe this is important. And what I'd like to do next is move us into our time of common prayer. Today is February 19th. Something important to make notice of as we move into our time of common prayer is that February is Black History Month. It's a month noted as a month of reconciliation, if you will. And in common prayer, that's exactly what they focus our attention on. On February 19th, 1942, following the bombing of Pearl Harbor by Japanese warplanes the previous December, U.S. President Franklin Roosevelt signed an executive order calling for the displacement of 120,000 Japanese Americans to internment camps. O Lord, let my soul rise up to meet you as the day rises to meet the sun. Glory to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Free us, Lord, from fear so that we can live in peace. Psalm chapter 95, verses 8 through 11 read, Harden not your hearts as your forebears did in the wilderness at Meribah and on that day at Massa when they tempted me. They put me to the test. Though they had seen my works, 40 years long, I detested that generation and said, this people wayward in their hearts. They do not know my ways. So I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter into my rest. Free us, O Lord, from fear so that we can live in peace. Oscar Romero, Archbishop of El Salvador, had once said, peace is not the product of terror or fear. Peace is not the silence of cemeteries. Peace is not the silent result of violent repression. Peace is the generous, tranquil contribution of all to the good of all. Peace is dynamism. Peace is generosity. It is the right. It is doing right. And it is a duty. Yesterday, I was reading a magazine, actually probably my my new favorite magazine, Brain World. It's all about neuroscience and neuropsychology. And within that magazine, they had an article on peace. And one of the things that was said there, which I believe is from the president of a United Nations group, was that um, violence begins in the minds of men. Therefore, peace as a solution, and I'm paraphrasing here, must begin in the minds of men as well. We must become a thinking people. I love the fact that here at Blue Point Bible Church, our uh, motto, if you will, is a thinking faith. Everything we do is based upon a thinking faith to practically think through the things of God. Good theology. Right belief leads to right practice. Amen? And uh, that should be our prayer. Amen? Let's let that be our prayer today, that everything would begin in the mind, that we would, we would see solutions in our mind conceptually, and then we would bring them forth in the manifestation of our words and our deeds. Amen? And uh, let's focus in on that. Mighty God, we do thank you, Lord. We thank you for going before us into this podcast, that we would gain clarity in regards to what you have done, what you are doing, Lord, and what you desire to do. Thank you for all that you did to fulfill Bible prophecy, Lord, that we can have the one hope fulfilled, that we can have the gospel, Lord, fulfilled, that we can see your glory, Lord, that we can see you face to face. As that famous hymn reminds us, that we can look you fully in that face, Lord. And when we do, the things of this world will become, in in the light of your glory and grace, Lord, things of this world will become dim. So, Lord, again, we thank you. We thank you for your truth, your kingdom, you being the way, the truth, and the life, and going before us that we may better understand you, Lord, establishing us that we may better understand you, Lord, giving us a face-to-face relationship so that we may glorify you in spirit and in truth. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, so I'd like to bring us into what I've marked out as our discussion for this morning um, or this afternoon is the text of Hebrews chapter 6, verses 1 through 2. However, before I read Hebrews chapter 6, I want to read Hebrews chapter 1. I'm going to just read verses 1 through 3. Hebrews 1, 1 through 3. God, who at sundry times and in divers manners, spoke in time past to the fathers by the prophets. However, in these last days, spoke to us by his Son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, by whom also 
he made the world, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his persons, and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had made himself purged sins, sat down at the right hand of God, his majesty on high, being made so much better than the angels as he had by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. I'm going to stop there. So what we're talking about here in Hebrews is why Jesus was revealed in the last days, as we see in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 26. He was revealed in the last days to fulfill that which was given to the fathers by the prophets. The Apostle Paul is emphatic about this gospel in Acts chapters 24 and 26. And that's what we're moving into as we look at the details of the book of Hebrews. So I just want to read to you verses 1 through 2 of chapter 6. Therefore, leaving the principles of doctrine of Christ, let us go on to perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God, of the doctrine of baptisms, of the laying on of hands, of the resurrection of the dead and of eternal judgment. And this we will do if God permit. We're going to stop there. So what's being said here in Hebrews chapter 6 is that the doctrine of Christ has been laid down. We're going to get there in a moment. And now the goal of these people living in the, the middle of the, eschat, the fulfillment of the eschaton is to go on to maturity. To move past the details that I just listed. Interestingly enough, one that I would love here is a resurrection of the dead and of eternal judgment. Those were things that were given to the old covenant people through the prophets, as we just read in Hebrews chapter 1. So those things were the foundation. They were foundational. They were basic to the old covenant Jew when they read through the law and the prophets. And I'll tell you this, that if you listen to some of these Christians today talk about the resurrection of the dead, it sounds nothing like what is revealed through the law and the prophets. It sounds nothing like the salvation from sin that was made known through the law, the death that was made known through sin that was manifest by law. Apostle Paul makes that clear in 1 Corinthians 15. The resurrection of the dead that these people, these Christians, speak about is not that which was revealed in the law and the prophets. It's that which was developed by church fathers. As they had a little bit of confusion in the first couple centuries, as again, a persecuted church would. So we see here that the resurrection of the dead is one of the basic things. That, that what they're supposed to do is leave the principles of the doctrine of Christ. And I'm going to ask us to turn to Second uh, John chapters seven, uh, verses 7 through 11 here to gain a little bit of an understanding about the doctrine of Christ. So they're to leave that because they've established that. And they're to go on to perfection, not laying again the foundation of those old covenant things. I'm excited that this year I'm going to be speaking in uh, Ardmore, Oklahoma in July, and I'm going to be detailing why we're not in the last days, because the jots and tittles of the last days, the details, if you will, of the last days are in our past. They needed to be fulfilled to, to fully consummate the new covenant, what we understand. They were the foundation that led to the glorious new covenant, the new heavens and new earth. Jesus expresses this in Matthew chapter 5, verses 16 through 18. So, again, there's so much that can be said about those foundational things. But what I would like us to do and what our goal here on these podcasts is, is to move past those things and to move into the perfection, the application of all that was being fulfilled. Again, I want to bring us over first to the doctrine of Christ in 2 John, verses 7 through 11. In our Saturday Bible study here at the Blue Point Bible Church, we've been going through the epistles of John. Namely because some have made the charge that the epistles of John prove fulfilled Bible prophecy wrong. They don't. We've marked this out. I will be honest and say that there has been one commentary out of the many that we've examined in regards to the epistles of John that has marked out that the uh, eternal incarnate state of Christ must be established in his first coming and also in his second, in the second advent. And uh, that's the Jameson Fawcett Bible commentary makes that clear. So uh, 
you know, that's being honest with the, the traditional commentaries and creeds and, and comment, you know, these different views that are out there. Um, that in no way says that fulfilled Bible prophecy is wrong. It says that that commentary is seeking to make a case against the things that are being revealed by fulfilled eschatology, by uh, covenant eschatology, even being even more specific. Here in Second John chapter, uh, verses 7 through 11, we read, For many deceivers are entered into the world who confess not that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. This is a deceiver and an antichrist. Look to yourself that you do not lose those things which we have wrought, but that we receive a full reward. Whosoever transgress and abide not in the doctrine of Christ has not God. He that abides in the doctrine of Christ, he has both the Father and the Son. If there come any to you, bring not this doctrine, receive him not into your house, neither bid him Godspeed. For he that bids him Godspeed is a partaker of his evil deeds. You see, the case to be made is the deceivers are those that have, are saying that Jesus has not come in the flesh. Now, there was nobody that believed in fulfilled Bible prophecy in this time. There were the Hymenaeans um, that would basically say that the uh, resurrection had occurred and that you were still under law because the temple still stood. The temple is the key factor. You go to Daniel chapter 12. The power of the holy people, the shattering of the power of the holy people, is what will signify the resurrection of the dead, a spiritual event. The resurrection of the dead, which the Apostle Paul makes clear in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, is the releasing of the dead from Hades, which the Apostle Paul correlates the releasing from that death uh, in verses uh, in the 50s there, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15 in the verses of like 50 through 57. He cites Hosea chapter 13 and Isaiah chapter 25. I do encourage you to go ahead and make yourself familiar with the Law and the Prophets and understand type and anti-type and fulfillment and how these things were to be understood by the Hebrew people. And then you'll understand the resurrection of the dead. It's quite the study. It's a very good study, but it helps you understand the one hope as revealed through the whole context of Scripture from Genesis to Revelation. So the doctrine of Christ is those that were denying the Incarnation. And were saying that Christ either had come in a phantom-like state and could not die, which was more of a proto-Gnosticism that was beginning to develop uh, due to the Hellenistic interpretation being offered up by many Jews. And then um, the, Jewish, uh, the Judaizers would use anything they could to confuse the people. So, of course, what they're doing is, is they're, they're failing to understand the shattering of the power of the holy people, Daniel 12, and how that correlates to Hebrews chapter 9, verse 28, the second coming and the bringing of salvation which again would be revealed by the resurrection of the dead and the shattering of the power of the holy people, the temple, the destruction of Jerusalem and the, the temple and in the surrounding region there. So that's what we're talking about. That's, that's the, uh, you know, the doctrine of Christ that needs to be emphasized. So when it's saying that we should establish that foundation, move past it onto perfection, it's saying that we should do something with this. It's unfortunate that many have said that uh, this is not applicable after the full perfection and maturity comes. Strange. Doesn't that defeat the entire point of the story? Again, I mentioned at the beginning of this podcast that God does something to do something. It seems that the people that would say something like, it, these, are, these details are not applicable, are missing a part of the story, forgot a part of the story, or the main part of the story, if you will. Why are we seeing all of this occur? This is what is an important question to ask. You see, when you go back to the a whole point of Bible prophecy, is that God established a people. Maybe it's Deuteronomy chapter 4. I encourage you to read through Deuteronomy 4 through 6. And uh, what you see there is that God establishes a people, that the people around them might see his glory. God does something to do something. Amen? So, the point of God establishing the church is not so that the church would just be done in the first century. It's that God would establish the church so that in the coming ages, his kindness would be made known, as we saw there in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 6 through 7. I saw another silly status this morning. Uh, no need to read the Bible after AD 70. Well, that's strange. Who comes up with this stuff? Because what I'm going to make clear to you is that maturity focuses on what is important. That's the point of Hebrews chapter 6, verses 1 through 2. To not lay again the foundation, but to do something with the foundation. Now that I know and have this, whatever it might be, I'm going to make proper use of it. Jesus places emphasis upon this in his 
parables, making proper use of the knowledge of God. That's what we're talking about here, the knowledge of God. So maturity takes the knowledge of God and does what is important with it, not laying again the foundation of the doctrine of Christ, not going again onto doctrines of repentance and, and details that were revealed through the law, but doing what is necessary with the details. Making known the manifold wisdom of God, because that was the eternal purpose of all ages, and it has been fully consummated in Jesus Christ. God was creating a people wherein righteousness can dwell. Not a person, again, for that individual focus that unfortunately many drag into Bible interpretation, but he was creating a people that righteousness would dwell within. Would dwell within. And when this righteousness dwells within the people, they then are making effective and fruitful use of the knowledge of God. And of course, we can only do this through Jesus Christ. So what text would show us this? Second Peter chapter 1, maybe? Many of you that are familiar with my ministry would know that's my favorite Bible text. Let's go over there. Let's jump over there. I believe 2 Peter chapter 1 is the answer for many of our questions in the church today. I'm going to go ahead and start at verse 3. According to his divine power, he has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him that has called us to glory and virtue, whereby we have been given in exceeding and great promises that by these, by these promises, you might become partakers of the divine nature who have escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. That verse highlights the law. It highlights being taken away from the law, the corruption that was revealed in the world through lust. It was, you know, the lust of law. You have to understand this through the lens of these people. Again, you could go, you know, and understand the context of the, who the letters, the epistles of Peter were written to. So, again, it's redeeming these people so that they become a part of the divine nature. That is, again, the people that would bring forth the light to the nations, the people of God, that would make known God's exceeding riches. That's what's being made known here. That's what's being accomplished here through the fulfillment of the promises. So that we might become partakers of the divine nature as revealed in verse 4 there. And besides this, giving all diligence... Now, besides becoming the partakers of the divine nature, this is what you need to focus on. Give all diligence to, to your faith. Add virtue. Add to your faith virtue. And to virtue, knowledge. And to knowledge, temperance. And to temperance, patience. And to patience, godliness. And to godliness, brotherly kindness. And to brotherly kindness, charity. For if these things be in you and abound, meaning if you possess and you increase in them, they make you neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Did you catch this? This is the entrance into the kingdom, as you read in verse 11. This is the maturity that Hebrews chapter 6 is pointing to. You might say the answer to Hebrews chapter 6 is 2 Peter chapter 1. This is what we must do. Many of you that are familiar with my ministry know that I have gone on to uh, create a 2 Peter chapter 1 growth chart. You can go to my blog, mianogonewild.wordpress.com, and you can actually find that blog. All you have to do is go to the search bar, put in 2 Peter 1, and it'll pop up a, uh, a, um, a growth chart there. And you could do – what you can do is I do this – I try to do it biweekly, if not biweekly, monthly. And I examine myself, and I ask God to, to show me where in Scripture, you know, what must I focus on within this text here to become effective and fruitful in my life, to see more – fully his promises fulfilled, to see more fully what he has provided. And that has just, you know, again, that, that chart has been very applicable to me and very uh, encouraging and has helped me grow in my faith. So I do encourage you, of course, to uh, go ahead and go to that blog, mianogonewild.wordpress.com, and access that Second Peter chapter 1 growth chart. Because, again, I believe very clearly that that Second Peter chapter 1 text is the answer to the perfection, the maturity that... Hebrews chapter 6 is speaking about. So what I'd like to do is just play a song, and I'd like to invite anybody that would like to call in to please call in. Our guest number is 516-387-1717. Again, the number is 516-387-1717. 516-387-1717. 
516-387-1717. We're going to go into a quick song, and I'll be right back perfectly with somebody calling in. Welcome back. All right, I want to. I noticed that we have somebody calling in. I'm excited. I want to get into a little bit of discussion, and uh, I trust that God will be glorified through our discussion. So I'm going to go ahead and bring on our guest caller. Best hey, you on how are you, sir? Hey, I'm good. How are you? This Mike, is uh, right? Mike Harris. Yeah. Yes. Hey, what's going on, brother? It's good to hear from you. Yeah, awesome. Appreciate all you do uh, to share the truth of the gospel and, uh, you know, fulfill eschatology, uh, particularly Amen, to the point that you're making. Um, I just want to share a thought. And I love the fact that you're bringing this to our attention, Mike, is that let us move on to maturity. And what does maturity look like? And I think that, you know, Jesus himself grew in wisdom and stature. And you made a point that it's, it's for a purpose. And if we're to follow Christ, his purpose was to seek and to save that which is lost. Amen. And so, you know, being, having heaven and earth united and, and we have access 
to all things that Christ has access to, to seek and save the lost. We are now his extension, his hands and feet. We're the body of Christ in fulfillment. And Isaiah 61, Jesus quoted Isaiah 61 and Luke 4 in the synagogue. He said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has anointed me. And it goes on to say many things, to preach good news to the poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, opening of the prison to them that are bound, etc. I want to speak just briefly on that, on how believers now have the same anointing. And, you know, some believers want to know why I don't feel the presence of God or I don't feel the power of God. And, Mike, you hit on the fact that it's for a purpose. Salvation is a free gift. But the anointing is something to be positioned for. And the anointing is, is power, as in Acts ch- in chapter 1, you shall receive power to be my witnesses. And there's many scriptures that would support that. In Galatians 6.2, it, it actually says that we're to bear each other's burdens and so fulfill the law of the anointed and, and his anointing. And so I just want to mention that if you want to be mature in Christ, then you're going to seek and save that which is lost. You're going to evangelize. You're going to do something with your faith. And that's why it says faith without works is dead. So I just want to encourage you to, in that Revelation 22:17, the spirit and the bride, we are the bride of Christ. And so we say to those who are hurting and poor and broken, come and drink, drink of the spirit, the same spirit that's in Christ is in us. We have access to the gifts of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit, to love people into the kingdom, to allow the Holy Spirit to draw people into the kingdom. And so that's my heart's desire, that, that people be found, that people be, be whole, and that the fullness of the gospel that we have access to would go forth. And it's not going to go forth in anything but the body of Christ, the church of Christ. And I appreciate Mike leading the way in that. Mike, thanks so much, man. That's encouraging. I appreciate that. And, uh, you know, amen. I I thought you you gave a good message, and that's right. You know, God does something to do something. There's always purpose in what God is bringing forth. So, um, you know, I'm excited to see what God's going to be birthing in and through myself, through you, through us, the church. And um, I do pray that we continue to walk in the fullness of what he has done, you know, and and see the provisions and to provide the provisions to others. Mike, I want to thank you for that write-up, and I want to let you know I have not forgotten about you. And what I'd like to do, if you don't mind, is maybe I'd want to message you after this podcast, and maybe we could talk about maybe doing a podcast together and going through some of the points that I had marked out. I'll send you a message, show you some of the things I marked out for good discussion, and I think we could both be edified by that. Yeah, I'd love to explore these things, Mike. I think the body of Christ needs it. And, uh, you know, we all have treasures, both old and new, Everyone has a story to tell. Everyone has revelation to share. And so I'd be happy to do that. Oh, that's awesome. Good deal. Thanks, Mike, for tuning in and actually calling in. I appreciate it. You got it, my friend. I'll talk to you soon, Pastor. All right. God bless you, brother. Well, that's encouraging. I uh, appreciate Brother Mike Karras. He's been uh, an encouragement lately. He actually had written up a good discussion on the Holy Spirit and um, I went through it, I studied through it, and, um, you know, I, I remember recently Larry Siegel through Fulfilled Dynamics had actually issued a charge to the full preterist community in regards to the Holy Spirit and how we need to get a better understanding of that. Um, you know, I know a lot of people within the Church of Christ have offered up their understanding of the Holy Spirit. Uh, there's been some charismatic uh, people within the preterist movement that have offered up their understanding, um, and, and I'm not fully convinced that either one of those is the way that um, God is bringing forth his truth in the Holy Spirit. I think that there's a, a middle ground somewhere that we're, you know, as we come to understand the meta narrative of Scripture, we come to understand fulfilled Bible prophecy, we come to understand what God has truly done and provided. Um, I, I believe there's riches that we're still unearthing and, and, and discovering through the Holy Spirit. And um, I think that we need to kind of lean in on that study. We, actually, here at the Blue Point Bible Church this past Sunday, in our Sunday school, uh, one brother had gone about uh, studying. And, you know, through Blue Letter Bible, which is an awesome app, if you have not made use of that application, blueletterbible.com or .org, not sure. Um, but he, uh, he went about a study, and then he came and he provided, um, he provided 
like a little podcast type of thing, a clip, and we all listened to it, and it brought about an interesting discussion about the Holy Spirit. You know, I had been a bit frustrated because here at Blue Point, I'll tell you what, we're blessed with thinking minds. We all kind of just go around the room, and we have great discussions. Uh, you know, they they sometimes can get a bit hairy, if you will. If you remember, I used to use that phrase for the hairy ticks. You know, it's like when the details are all over the place and, you know, scattered, and you need to pull them together. And uh, sometimes the discussions can get a bit hairy. And, uh, you know, this week I, I felt that it was, a, it was a frustrating thing for me in a sense. And I think that's a good thing. A holy frustration is a good thing. It means that we need to lead in on that study. We need to have that discussion more often. And Mike Karras, Brother Mike Karras, has been definitely bringing that about. So praise God. And uh, I look forward to more discussion in that regard and uh, to see what God is continuing to do. So uh, what I might do is just end with a couple of announcements, uh, and then I'll close us in prayer. Um, some of you may her- have heard that I'm going to be participating in a debate with Mr. Sam Frost. I had debated him back in 2013. Um, however, I'm sure he has grown in his understanding. I have grown in mine, and uh, I think that's a suitable uh, thing to do. So uh, I appreciate the efforts that have been done to put that together and uh, what will be brought forth. So of course, through the Power of Preterism Network, which is probably one of the best ways to get any information from me, at least that of what we're doing um, in regards to full preterism is to go ahead and like that Power of Preterism Network Facebook page or get on the email list if you're not on Facebook. Simply go to powerofpreterism.com and click on the contact and send an email. And uh, so, you know, I'm looking forward to that. I think that's a good idea. I think it'll be great. Um, I know there's Holger Neubauer will be debating Sam Frost as well in April, uh, which will be very, very powerful, I'm sure, because Holger Neubauer, you know, is, is a blessing to the body of Christ. And the way he brings forth truth, the passion, the understanding he brings forth is definitely amazing. So I believe that'll be in Indiana. The one, the debate I'll be participating in will be here on Long Island. And, uh, there's so much happening this year with full preterism. We're preparing for our conference here at the Blue Point Bible Church in May, May 17th through the 19th, 2019. Free conference. You need to come on out. I'll be posting some details about hotels and discounts and et cetera uh, within the next couple of days, actually, and speakers and lineups and you know what we're looking to bring forth here for the conference. This year's theme is what's next, a full pre- a preterist conference. And we want to talk about things that we should be doing in application, exactly what Brother Mike Harris had just highlighted in regards to the blessings that we are supposed to be bringing forth as the body of Christ, the healing of the nations that we are supposed to be bringing forth as the body of Christ. So uh, what I actually wanted to do is find that verse, uh, Galatians chapter 6, verse 2. Beautiful text that Brother Mike had brought up. It says here, Bear one another's burden and so fulfill the law of Christ. That's beautiful. I think a good study through that would be, uh, you know, we, we talk about sowing to the flesh and the spirit breathing life. And, you know, these are beautiful things that are revealed in the text. So I do encourage you to go ahead and ask God where he's convicting you that you need to be doing something. You know, what, what is God, what, for what purpose has God shown you and saved you and provided to you the provisions of life and godliness? Lord, Keep us from fearfully persecuting the innocent ones among us. When we are tempted to use the cultural differences of our neighbors as excuses for injustice, convict us of our error. Keep us from turning differences into discrimination. Amen. May the peace of the Lord Christ go with you wherever he may send you. May he guide you through the wilderness, protect you through the storm. May he bring you home rejoicing at the wonders that he has shown you. May he bring you home rejoicing once again into our doors. Thank you for tuning in to this bit delayed podcast today. I do hope that you'll continue to tune in Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Saturdays at 7 a.m. Or, of course, you can always listen on podcast. Thank you again. Go in peace, saints. God bless. And I look forward to continuing to bring forth truth regarding living in the fulfilled eschaton. Yeah. As the dead past flowing streams. So my soul for you, God. My soul thirsts for God, the living God. Catch me at the brook, brook.
I used to Jack Daniels, chase Bloody Mary. I never touched the virgins, nah, they too scary. And then to me, you died since the day of my birth. Now I'm a walking freight billboard, obeying my thirst. My lips used to sip from thick mixed elixir. Now I big gulp from big fits of scripture. Living water all in my picture, get the picture. Blowing out my heart is the best kind of addiction. If I go days without seeking his face, it starts showing. A week outside his presence in the world starts knowing. Sometimes my earnest prayer is to erase my brain. Cause 20 years as a pagan, got my mind trained. Broke up with the world like I need my face, I gotta breathe. But then she looks me in my face like you ain't gotta leave. The landlord clued me in till you're cheating. I need more for a reason, so I got to get leaving. Your face I need to constantly see. I need more. Never feel I'm reaching my peak. I need more. My soul thirsts for you, oh Lord. I need more. I need more, I'm thirsting after God Find peace in your mercy and grace I need more, find shelter in no other place I need more, my soul thirsts for you, oh Lord I need more, I need more You can catch me at the brook Forget diamonds in his presence, I stay late With a shine like Moses when I'm seeking his face My gratitude for the water was Bottle it up and try to sell it like a telemarketer Until I die or they martyr us The water's aquaphobia Scared of the water cause yeah. So this is how I advertise You can drink from other sources But your soul's never satisfied 737-8611 Catch me at the brook Take a sense to heaven Never get enough Christ fill my soul up Cause all the world's wells either dry Or they done froze up Greater than Jacob, look at John 4 sitting near Jesus makes an offer the waters Like a synonym All the women and men who live in this synonym Catch us at the brook where we be getting it in your face I need to constantly see I need more Never feel I'm reaching my peak I need more My soul thirsts for you, oh Lord I need more I need more I'm thirsting after God Find peace in your mercy and grace I need more Find shelter in no other place I need more My soul thirsts for you, oh Lord I need more I need more You can catch me at the brook The world's at the well Looking thirsty Me, I'm at the brook Where the church be Don't need a pool, homie Christ that healed me Used to mess around with coke But his power's the real thing Don't need a Pepsi to pet me Press me, press me to seek him Like John Knox, the scout who told me That I should drink him So till I leave the earth Catch me pulling it up I got my life turned up Homie, so is my girl Yeah, like the deer panthers My soul thirsts for you like Make them known And everything we do like Offer living water to my whole crew We like I carry my cup I can't get enough Raise your cup to his authority and power like Found out all day was happy hour like Real talk, he turns our lives up when the music drops You can catch me at the brook after the music stops Your face I need to constantly see I need more Never feel I'm reaching my peak I need more My soul thirsts for you, oh Lord I need more I need more I'm thirsting after God 